We're so glad you're at First Church. I hope that you're happy to be here on Pentecost Sunday as we celebrate who we are, the birth of the church. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday every Sunday at First Church. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection power. Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, infilling of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking with tongues. We experienced that and continue to do so. And that's something to celebrate. We hope that you will connect, continue, and celebrate Pentecost. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the second epistle of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. I'll read a verse of scripture there, the ninth verse, and then I will also reference the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter, two verses there, 38 and 39. And while you're turning there and finding that particular passage today, again, we say thank you for being a part of this service to our guests. We're glad that you're here. For our first-time guests, we have a pastor's reception at the conclusion of the service today. We will look forward to visiting with you and would love to make a connection with you and hope that you'll continue and we'll celebrate what God is going to do to and through you. And then also those of you that are interested in being a part of First Recovery, Sister Laura will meet with you at the conclusion of this service. We find, as uh, Peter writes, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. Somebody say long-suffering. Is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not the will of God that anybody perish. As a matter of fact, it's the will of God today if you do not have the Holy Ghost that you receive the Holy Ghost today. And there is not a better day than Pentecost Sunday for you to experience Pentecost. That's His will and that's His promise. Acts chapter 2, if you look to the 38th and the 39th verse, Perhaps this is something that you've quoted or have heard quoted often. It's really the message of who we are. We, we find that they wanted to know what they needed to do. And so in answer to their question, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise. Somebody say the promise. For the promise. It's the Pentecostal promise. For the promise is unto you, your children, and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to preach today a Pentecostal promise. A Pentecostal promise. Is there anybody thankful today for the Pentecostal promise? I thank you today, Lord, for the promise that you gave me. That same experience that they had on that day, I can have today and every day. A Pentecostal promise. God bless you. You may be seated. I have made a promise or two. How about you? Anybody ever made a promise before? Anybody transparent enough to tell us that you made a promise and you didn't come good on it? Anybody ever done that? The rest of y'all are lying, so we might talk online next Sunday. Of course, all of us have, have at some point in our life said, I'm going to do that and then... 
for whatever reason, we couldn't actually do it. I mean, I remember making promises back in the day when I was playing softball. I, I would predict what I was going to do. Joey, I would say, hey, I'm going to get up there and hit a home run. Well, that didn't happen every time I made that promise. Now, it happened a few times. It don't happen anymore. I was telling them, if I'm going to camp this week, and they're actually, Sister Sheila, they're actually going to have softball at this camp coming up. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, if I'm there, I, I'll definitely go play softball, but here's my idea of playing softball. I want to be the designated hitter with a designated runner. So what does that mean? That means when I get up there and I hit that ball as far as I can, I'm going to tell that boy, run, run, run. Because right now, my, my mind, my mind can write some checks that my body Cannot cash. I know that I can't play like I used to play back in the day. So I may make some promises to those boys like I'm going to hit a home run. But I'm going to need somebody to run home in order to hit that home run. I can't keep the promises that I used to make. I've had people. How many of you have ever had somebody make you a promise? Anybody ever had you uh, you, you had somebody tell you, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. How many of you have ever had somebody that made a promise that they broke that promise? Man, I can remember as a, I can remember as a little kid, I, my dad used to tell me, Donnie, you got the memory of an elephant. Anything somebody told me, I could remember it. I didn't need to write it down. I had it right here and I locked it in. And once it was locked in, I remembered it. And I remember as though there were, there were people that used to make me promises and they would just say things and then they would forget all about it. But I never forgot about it. I, I had in my mind exactly what that meant. We were just talking about the other day. Memorial Day back in the day was a big deal for us because the day that you turned 12, you were eligible to play in the big day, the Memorial Day picnic softball game. And I can, I can remember somebody making that promise that, you know, when you get to be this age, you get to do it. And then, you know, the day came and then it didn't happen and I I was disheartened I was distressed it was a difficult day because they said they made me a promise that I could play and now they're not letting me play because they had enough people to do whatever they needed to do that day but not with me and I was I made up my mind and I was I was going to get to get to play that great day that great game and then sorry you can, but you promised that I when I turned 12 that I could I was disheartened by somebody not keeping their word and not keeping their promise and there's 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 things that are certainly much worse than not being able to play softball on Memorial Day. I, I understand that. But to a kid at twelve that's a pretty big pretty big deal. It was devastating. And then there are people that make you promises that they never have an intention of fulfilling the promise. They say things in the moment that they never intend to do. They never intend to come through. I want to talk to you today about somebody that when he says it, his word, anybody ever heard his word is his bond? Basically, when someone says something that you don't have to have a document that's signed and sealed, you don't have to have a notary public stamp it and say, this is whatever they say is what 
they do. I want to tell you about our Savior today. We're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. This is something that we should celebrate every Sunday because it's who we are. I've said it before. We don't have a religion. People say, what religion are you? I like to say, I like to tell you about the experience that I have. And what we're celebrating today is the experience that we should celebrate every Sunday. It's the Pentecostal experience. And this this wonderful Savior, this wonderful Savior of ours, the Lord, the God of glory, the Bible says that when Pete was putting pen to paper, he said this, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. In other words, what He's saying is, if He says it, He's going to do it. It may not happen when you want Him, but it's going to happen because He is an on-time God and He is a faithful God and He will do what He says that He will do. So He is not slack concerning His promise. He does not say things and then not do things. He does not overcommit and underdeliver. What He says... He will do, He will do. And that's for you, and that's for me. I know some people make promises based on preference. If they they like somebody, then they do what they say. If they don't, then they don't. And it's just, well, I, I have... I, I like this person, so I'm going to keep my commitment there. I'm not really fond of this person, so I'm not going to keep my commitment there. The Bible says this about the Lord. He's not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But is long suffering. How many of you know that if we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be eligible for the promise that our God said we could have, our kids could have, and their kids could have? None of us earned it. There's no one here that's so good, so high and mighty that you deserve the promise that He gave you. We all are worthy of only the grace of God. And that's because it's a gift. And He made us a promise. The Bible says that He's not... He's not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but His long-suffering. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that He suffers long, that the... There, there would be opportunities that he should say, no, you're not worthy of that. I think I'm going to take that back. I'm going to retract my statement. I'm going to change my story. How many of you know we live in a world where the story's changing all the time? They say one thing, then you read another. You wake up the next day, the story's changed. Oh, no, this didn't happen, that happened. And no, that didn't happen, this happened. And they just keep changing the story. That's not the way the Savior is. When He says it, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven. And when He makes a promise, you can take that promise to the bank and cash it every single time. Because He has an ability to keep His word like nobody else can keep their word. He is long-suffering. He says, I know you failed me here and you failed me there but you can't fail me enough for my love to be taken away I'm going to keep my word I can save you I can heal you I can help you why because I said I would and I will and there's nothing you can do that will take that promise away you can't make too many mistakes you can't stumble and fall too many times you can't Let him down one too many times. You can't drag his grace through the blood of Calvary too many times. No, there's nothing, no nothing that you can do that will cause him to say today, the promise is null and void. It is a Pentecostal promise. A promise 
that when he says he is long-suffering to us word, it means that he suffers long. I know it hurts his heart today. It hurts his heart today because as I look out and I see all of the smiling faces and I told several as I was going through the crowd today, it does my heart so good to see you here. It makes me feel so glad that you're here. But I want you to know at the same time that my heart experiences joy for your presence, my heart is broken because of the multiple people and families that the devil has convinced them that they are no longer eligible for the promise that the Savior has given Pentecostal promise and they are not here on this Sunday Pentecost Sunday at First Church experiencing what they know is the only thing that can truly save them. My heart is destroyed today at the absences of one family after another and people after people who aren't here to understand the significance of the hour that we are living in. I want you to know we're closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been and people are playing games with God. What going on in this world. This world is insane. It's going crazy. And we better understand how important it is to have Pentecost Sunday every Sunday in the house of the Lord and understand that he made a promise and he won't back down on that promise. They need to get back. They need to get back to the house of God and reclaim the promise of the Father. He's long-suffering to us. Many of us would say, ah, They haven't been here in a year or two years or three. Just give up on them. You know how easy it would be to give up? To give up on people, Joey, and just say, it ain't ever going to happen. It's easy. It's easy to give up on people. But it's not godly. It's easy, but it's not godly. And there are a lot of things that are easy that aren't godly. I want everybody to know we ain't never given up. We at First Church are never going to give up on people. Because if he is long-suffering to us word, then we must be long-suffering to them. I want them to experience him so they can celebrate on Pentecost Sunday every Sunday. I want to try to help somebody today. If I were to look at the ninth verse of the chapter before the one that says he is long suffering to us where chapter 2 and verse 9 it says this the Lord the same God that made this promise to us and isn't willing that any should perish but that all somebody say all but that all that means everybody that is here everybody that isn't here Everybody that should be and could be here. But that all should come to repentance. You see what the Savior knows is the promise that he made starts with repentance. It starts with the turning around. He can't do anything about you when you're walking away from him. But if you will turn 
toward Him. He can do everything you need Him to do. I want somebody to hear what I'm preaching to you today. It starts. It starts with repentance. That's in your heart saying, I was wrong and I'm going to stop being wrong. I'm going to turn. I'm not mad that I got caught. I'm going to turn away because today I want Him to see I need a Savior so I'm not going to do what I've done before. He understands that the first step of salvation is repentance. And once you make that step, you start that journey toward Him. He can do everything you need Him to. And until then, He can't. And He won't. He won't force anybody to serve Him. Brother Johnson talked about it in the purpose of Pentecost. And if you weren't in Bible class, you need to go online and listen to that session. It's an excellent study in what the purpose of Pentecost is. And in that discussion he said some people think that when you come to first church when you walk in we don't give you a bulletin we give you a list of rules and regulation if you want to be a part of first church then you have to meet all this criteria and just check 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 that did anybody get one of those today i i wasn't handing them out if you got one i don't know how you got one because that's not what we do now we'll give you a guest card and say fill it out and we'll love to meet you and we'll give you a gift but we're not going to give you a list of Rules and regulation, like if you want to be a part of First Church, then you have to wear a red tie and black shoes and white shirt. Oh, I can't even be a part of First Church today. So what are you saying? I'm saying that we, we're not here. We're not here imposing things upon people. We're here imposing upon people the possibility that our Savior can help you out of the hell that's happening in your home. That he can deliver you from the difficulty that you're dealing with on a daily basis. And there is a way that this can be done. And the way that it can be done is you recognizing the fact that you need to turn away from sin and make a decision to say, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong and I want to head toward him. And so how do we do that, Pastor? Well, let's look at what, what Pete puts down on paper again in the ninth verse of the second chapter of the second epistle. The Lord knoweth, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Now we can just stop right there, but I think it's important to go on to help people to understand. And to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. I want people to understand this one thing. Just because it seems like people are getting away with sin now does not mean they are getting away with sin. Understand this. Just as certain as the promise is to be fulfilled, just as certain as he said, I will save you, I'm not willing that any should perish, there will be people that will. Sin ultimately costs death. I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. Just as much as we believe in heaven, we believe in hell. There is a place of eternal judgment that has been set aside for those that are unjust. And if you don't think it's going to happen, you need to read this scripture again. Just as sure as God can deliver you from the temptations that this world throw into your path, He also is reserving unto the day of judgment to punish the wicked and the unjust. Now, nobody's getting really excited about that, and I don't blame you. We shouldn't. We're not celebrating the fact that they will pay the price. But I will tell you this. We must inform them so that they make a knowledgeable choice about the fact that they need to be saved. Because if there's nothing to be saved from, then why do we want to be saved? 
If there is no hell, then we're just having a good time at a glee club. That's not what's happening here today. We're not celebrating Pentecost Sunday because this is all we have to do on a Sunday. We are celebrating Pentecost Sunday because He made a promise to every one of us that we don't have to be lost and go to hell. And I want you to know. And I want all of you to know. And I want everybody to know. You don't have to go to hell. And if you go to hell, you're going to go to hell with me screaming and spitting and shouting and saying, I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to receive the promise. It's a Pentecostal promise. It's a Pentecostal promise that was made a long, long time ago. And you need to know that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. I want you to focus on the statement that I'm making. God knows how to deliver you. He's not willing that any should perish. And we got a great group of guys right here. Fine young men, handsome young men that are sitting here. You know what the world would tell you? The world would tell you there's not much hope for them to make heaven. That's what the world would tell you. But I want you all to know, Gabe, Dawson, John, Braden, Zoe, Carmine, Alex, Kiwan, Christian, I don't, here, this just passed here today. I'm not willing, I'm not willing to lose one of them. I don't want any of them to go to hell. Almost 10 of them sitting here. If I did the math right, there's nine sitting right there. I'll just sit down here with you boys and say, the ten of us. I want you to understand, I'm not satisfied with one out of ten going to hell. I can't sit here and preach as a pastor and say, you know what? I'm all right if one of them goes to hell. At least we got nine of them. No, no, a thousand times. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all. I want everybody on the front row and the back row and everywhere in between. Your family, my family, I want them all. Look at your neighbor and say, I want them all. Now, we can come and play patty cake Pentecost if we want to. And we can be Pentecostal only because that's in our name. And we can say, well, we're a Pentecostal church, bless God. And we, we do this, 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 and that. And, you know, we meet all the criteria. I want to know, do we meet the criteria? Because the criteria that I want to ask you about is, are we long-suffering? Are we not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Because either we are or we aren't. Are we okay with every Sunday about 50 or 60% of the church being here or not? Are we? Now, of course, that was a rhetorical question. And a few of you answered it anyway. And I'm all right with that because it was the right answer. Of course, we're not satisfied with people that aren't seated on these pews. That know better. I'm not talking about people that have never been introduced to this. I'm talking about people that have had what we have. They experienced Pentecost and they're still not here. We're not willing, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we're never giving up on anybody. We're going to keep preaching, teaching, and loving, and believing that if we're long suffering, that they can have a Pentecostal promise. Once they receive that Pentecostal promise, they have the promise. They have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
our Lord, our Savior. So, Pentecost Sunday is a day that's celebrated. 50 days after Easter, we celebrate. So, seven Sundays after Easter, we celebrate the fact that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. How many of you know that the death, burial, and resurrection is something that we should celebrate and we shouldn't just celebrate it on Easter. We ought to celebrate it every Sunday because it is the formula for salvation. Death, burial, resurrection, power. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that death is described as repentance. Say, I'm turning away. I'm quitting. The flesh is going to die out. I'm going to die out to what the flesh wants. How many of you this week, you've dealt with the flesh? Anybody? Everybody. We deal with the flesh because we are flesh. And flesh doesn't want to do... But the spirit, anybody ever heard this? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Anybody when your alarm ever went off said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you've ever hit the snooze button, then you know what I'm talking about. Because you know you need to get up. And these people, no offense, but these people that set set their alarm like five snooze button pushes, don't go to camp with me. Don't stay in a room with me. Because you know when I set my alarm? I set my alarm when I need to get up. Not when I need to hit the snooze button five times. Because that's missing out on quality sleep. That wasn't in my notes. But anyway, here we go. I'm just wanting you to know. I'm wanting you to understand. That we at First Church. We at First Church are going to be long-suffering to everyone, to you, to your family, to everyone, so that they don't have to perish, but that they can come to repentance because we don't want to see anyone have to suffer the judgment and be punished. We want everyone to go to heaven and celebrate life everlasting with a Savior that made us a Pentecostal promise. The Pentecostal promise is this. Conviction gripped the hearts of those that were there that day when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spilled out into the streets speaking in languages that some that were there knew they didn't know and They wanted to know what was going on. These people are drunk. How many of you know that there are times that people could come to this service, this Sunday morning worship service, and they would say, there's some people that are intoxicated on Sunday morning. And if that's not the case, then we maybe need to revisit being a Pentecostal church because we are either Pentecostal by experience or we are not Pentecostal. So, does it? bother or offend pastor when people get out in the aisle and just you know do their thing or run the aisle no as long as you don't run me over and slap me in the face when you're dancing I'm all good I think you should not run me over and slap me in the face but run dance celebrate just whatever you want to do get exuberant in your worship it's Pentecostal and so they were like what in the world is going on these people are drunk and then you know Pete standing up with the 11 said these men aren't drunk as you suppose it's nine o'clock in the morning this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men going to see visions. Old men going to dream dreams. Going to pour out upon my handmaidens. And young men, last days, they're going to prophesy. And God's going to 
use the student ministry like he's never used the student ministry before. Sister Sheila was telling me about at the camp how that these 12 to 15 year olds were just flooding the altars and just just going crazy for Jesus. That excites a pastor to know that there are people, there are students that are doing what the Bible says that they should and could and would do. It's the last days. Well, this is happening and these people start feeling conviction. You know what? Here's what I want you to understand. When you invite a guest, when you bring people to this church, there is not, there is never a time that anybody should walk through those doors, sit down on our pews, and feel condemnation. If they are feeling condemnation, it's coming from somebody besides the pastor. I can tell you that for sure. And if it's coming from you, you need to pray through. We do not intend to condemn anyone. We hate the sin, but love the sinner. I'm sorry, but I do not apologize for being apostolic, and I won't. But I will tell you this. I do apologize for people in the name of being apostolic, being people that condemn others. Because when people walk in, they should never feel condemnation. But I pray... That every Sunday, somebody feels conviction. Because conviction causes people to want to do what they need to do in order to claim the promise. You know, there's people that call me all the time that tell me I can have a three-night, four-day vacation for free. Anybody ever had that call? For free. All they need me to do is come and let them talk me into buying into their scheme. Anybody ever done it? Anybody ever done that? Okay, all right. So a few people. I've done it. I've gone. Because I can say today, I got no problem. You can talk, 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 and talk some more. And I know that I don't want to pay at the end of the day for what you said was free to me. So I did it. My wife's like, what do you think? I'm like, no, I don't think we should do anything except say thank you very much for this free three-night, four-day vacation. Appreciate that. Because I know if I sign on a line that I'm going to be having vacations that are not free for a long, 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 long in a galaxy far, far. No, okay. So anyway, understand. What I want people to do is I want people to come and I want people to feel conviction that causes them to say, what do I need to do to have that? Then I'm going to tell them. It's simple. There's no fine print. There's no contract that you sign. There's no to-do list. There's no this, 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 and that. Here's here's all you got to do. You got to do what Peter said you had to do according to what the Spirit told him to say on that day, Pentecost Sunday, when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now see, this is just so simple. And I'm taking a little bit of time. It's 12.15. Give me just a few more minutes because it's Pentecost Sunday. I mean, you know, they, they may beat us to the restaurant, but I want to tell you what I'm telling you right now is really important. So hear what I'm telling you right now. Understand. Understand that this is significant and important. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we have to do? He says, simply put, Put verse 38 on the screen, please. Repent and be baptized, 
every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, okay? So to me, it seems pretty simple. It seems pretty simple right here. How many of you can read that on the screen? If you can read, you can read it on the screen. It says this, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you. That means you. Look at your neighbor and say, That means you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. What happens then? Here's the deal. It's the guarantee. That's why he said, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance because he knows repentance is the first step on the steps of salvation. So once you repent, follow the course. Keep going the way that he showed you to go. Repent, then be baptized. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. What's going to happen then? How many of you know that when you repent, you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that you're guaranteed the Holy Ghost? You're guaranteed the Holy Ghost. It's not if, it's when. It's going to happen. Some people, how many of you got the Holy Ghost before you were baptized in Jesus' name? Now, I want you to know, I don't think anybody gets the Holy Ghost before they repent. I think you repent first, then you get the Holy Ghost, or you get baptized, and then you get the Holy Ghost. You're guaranteed the Holy Ghost if you repent and you're baptized in Jesus' name. It's a guarantee. It says, and ye shall. That's the guarantee. And ye shall. How many remember that I'm preaching a Pentecostal promise? This is the Pentecostal promise that I'm preaching. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Kind of feels like Wednesday night now, but that's all right. Trying to teach First Church what we believe, what we believe To celebrate on Pentecost Sunday, you have to understand what we believe is that the Pentecostal promise is for you. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Okay. So now I'm going to close with this. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you. Somebody say for me. And to your children. And to all that are far off. Even... As many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, so what what do we do with that? Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, I think that the one that preached this, the guy that preached this, is the same one that penned. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. He is not willing that any, hear what I'm saying, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So does all mean all? Of course all means all. You say, Pastor, you're really, you're really just talking to us today. I, I want you to understand that we complicate things that are simple. And too often we make things simple that are extremely complicated. But this is not complicated today, friend. It is simple and straightforward. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, who does the Lord call? The Lord calls all. He calls all to repentance. He calls all to the first step of salvation anticipating that the next step will be baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission of sin. And then, ultimately, resurrection power, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Stand with me, if you would. A Pentecostal promise. A Pentecostal promise. What promise was Pete writing in his second epistle? The third chapter and the ninth verse in regard to The one where he tells us that he's long-suffering and calls all to repentance. He's talking about the one that he said was for you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
If you would, I'd like everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I would like you to ask yourself a very personal question. Have I claimed my Pentecostal promise? Have I claimed my Pentecostal promise? I remember the day that I laid claim to mine. For when I was a young man, I repented of my sins. And then the day that I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. It was but a month and a half later that I remember in the altar area lifting my hands and my voice and beginning to speak with another language that I didn't understand as a sign to others that I had been filled with that promise that had been given to me so long ago. I experienced my Pentecost Sunday on that night in a youth week so long ago. Today could be your day. I wonder if you're here with heads bowed and eyes closed and you might slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I've never claimed my promise, but I'd like to. Is there anybody here today that could say, I've never claimed my promise, but I'd like to. I'd like to receive that Pentecostal experience. I'd like to claim that Pentecostal promise. It can be yours. I want everybody that's here to know today that that promise belongs to you. And as we begin to sing, I wonder if there's people that would come to this altar and on Pentecost Sunday, lift your hands and thank Him for the day that you claim that promise. And if you want to claim yours today, it's available for you on this Sunday morning to claim the Pentecostal promise. It's a promise that was made so long ago, but it's valid today. It's valid today. So you can say, it's my Pentecost Sunday. I can't